Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Sally Ann Williams, the CEO of Cicada Innovations. Cicada Innovations is Australia's pioneering deep tech incubator supporting companies solving the world's most pressing problems through science and engineering. Cicada Innovations has nurtured hundreds of visionary deep tech innovators to validate, commercialise and scale high-impact technology across medtech, health tech, ag tech, food tech, clean energy, AI, manufacturing 4.0 and many more. Prior to joining Cicada Innovations, she spent over 12 years at Google as an executive program manager on the engineering team leading work in R&D collaboration with universities, startup and entrepreneurship engagement, and pioneering work on CS and STEM education, including building world-first collaborations delivering national transformation. She's on the boards of World Vision Australia, Fishburners, and Cicada Innovations. She's an advisor to several state and national working groups on tech and innovation, and is a mentor and advisor to several industry and university incubators and accelerators, including Startmate. Hi, Sally. How are you going? Hi, I'm well. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Good to have you and a fellow Sydney cider, but we're uh, over the virtuals. But it'd be great to really get in and learn a bit more about Cicada Innovations and the world of deep tech. But firstly, I wanted to get an understanding of yourself, Sally. What's your background and what's got you into all of this? So my background is definitely not your traditional pathway to where I am now and definitely not obvious or linear. I didn't do a computer science degree. I didn't actually end up doing a science or engineering degree and I don't come from a family of professionals at all. I grew up on the Gold Coast. My parents owned a fruit and veggie shop and I'm the youngest of three by a really big gap, but apparently not a surprise. And I'm actually the first in my family to finish high school and go to university and go on uh, with my higher education. So for me, my pathway to where I ended up is kind of very long and wandering one where I've learnt and grown through both my university education, but also in skills and further education and opportunities that I've had versus something that seemed really obvious and a pathway forward. So i been product of the state education system. I'm incredibly grateful for the teachers they had and the support that I had from them and my parents. They always said, you're smart. If you work hard, you can do anything you want. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. But as fate would have it, they were right. If you work really, really hard, opportunities will come your way. And I've made my way to Google and then have made my way to Cicada Innovations. How cool is that? Yeah. Unreal. So CEO of Cicada, what's happening at Cicada Innovations? Yeah, so Cicada Innovations, I love to say, is Australia's best kept secret. We're actually 20 years old. We celebrated our, our 20th birthday back in August. We were created to solve the really big problems of the world in health, in energy, in environment, you name it, insert problem here solve them through science and engineering. So to really look at the research and development that's happening on campuses, in labs, in industry, in community with biohackers and others, and to connect the dots between industry and academia and government and community to form companies and to actually support deep tech companies for the long term in bringing those solutions to market. And what's really cool about it is that if you're really solving a big problem, by its very nature, it's going to have a large addressable market. It's going to be really hard. So smart people that are really stubborn, which is kind of describing me, I'm very much on the stubborn bent, who just don't want to let go of a problem and go, there has to be a better way to do this. We attract all of those sorts of people together. And when you see what they do and the products of their work over the many, 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 many years that they're with us, you do see some really, really novel and interesting things come to market and addressing things that matter to all of us and that actually improve 
improve our lives and our world around us in all of those areas. And increasingly, I think what's really cool about Cicada Innovation is we focus on deep tech, not just health tech or med tech, although we do have a large number of companies in that space. But what's really cool is seeing the intersection between the different verticals. So looking at health and medicine and how does that interact with space and working in space and looking at the moon to Mars expedition and the work that's being done there, the intersection between quantum and space, between agriculture and food and health, all of those kind of intersections when you get these companies sitting alongside of each other in this space and working alongside each other for many years, not only do they solve problems, but you actually see them coming together to solve a problem together as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Wow. That's super exciting. And talk about big problems. That's, you know, you're in the heart of it right there. So good thing that you're stubborn. And I've come across a lot of those stubborn people too in the health space too. So I think we're in the right camp there to solve those challenging problems. But just to step back one again too, just so I'm really clear, deep tech, I can describe to you health tech and med tech and biotech and a couple of other techs, but I'd struggle with deep tech. I've got an idea, but I need you to explain deep tech for me. That's the right question to be asking. Deep tech is a bit of an umbrella phrase to cover all of those things that you mentioned and more. So really it describes companies or solutions that are being built into companies that have a couple of commonalities. There's typically a really lengthy period of R&D. It often has clinical trials or field trials or other sort of testing and iterative process as part of it. It's often a regulated market. So if we think about agriculture and health, there's regulated pathways to market as is energy. There's typically a really large investment needed over many times to take uh, the idea from its research phase all the way through to commercialization. And it's very much IP protectable. So the underlying intellectual property is either very well protected or incredibly hard to reproduce. It's a strong competitive advantage to have a deep tech company because the barrier to entry is just really, really high. But the impact of a deep tech company in any of those verticals is really, really large as well. From an investment point of view, then, and looking at deep tech generally, it's obviously not a, hey, as an investor, I'm expecting my return in 10x my return in two, three years. It certainly sounds like a long game. Is it a high risk thing too, given it's such a big problem over a long period of time? Like what's that space all like? Look, it's a really interesting question when you look at investment and deep tech. The timeframes are really, really long. If you think about Wi-Fi, if you think about Cochlear, if you think about ResMed, 30 to 40 years to bring a product to market, right from the initial funding of research all the way. What you see though along that pathway is typically the early stages of deep tech will be funded through research grants, government grants, and sort of other pieces of work. And then along the way, there are a variety of programs that will come in to fill the gap. From an investor standpoint, though, you do have to have a really different appetite. You do have to think long term. And thankfully, most investors and VCs in Australia actually do think a lot longer term than two to three years. The two to three sort of year window for a return is a little bit of a myth, because if you think about Facebook, Uber, Google, Twitter, if you think about any big tech company, which are the traditional ones we kind of model that conversation on, they're increasingly private for a very, very, very long time until they have a liquidity event via listing. And the timeframes are not too dissimilar for deep tech, but the risk appetite and the experiences. So most will flock to, when they do start investing, flock to what they know and they stay in that space that they know. So if it's a SaaS or a B2B business, they typically sort of stay in that space. And that's where we have a bit of a challenge in Australia, but I think it's a really good opportunity is to actually attract more investors and more knowledgeable investors in the deep tech verticals here. We do have an increasing number coming up through the ranks. 
So Main Sequence Ventures has been, you know, solely focused on deep tech, which is fantastic. Blackbird is starting to move towards deep tech and has got a couple of health tech companies in there. So we are seeing there's an appetite for this, but it has to come with the knowledge and the expertise of what's going on to be able to make those right investments. I don't think any investors out there They do have a healthy risk appetite, but it's not an unrealistic one. So they still go in and do their due diligence. And so the good news for us is we are seeing more successful med tech and health tech companies come along. And the more exits we have, the more experience we're going to have coming back into the marketplace to join in on an early stage investment, to join into venture capital, to provide that knowledge and expertise to actually release more more funds, I think, into the ecosystem at large. And and that's going to benefit us in the long term. But yeah, if you're looking for it to make a quick bang for your buck, this is probably not the market for you. I'll do my search on the Bitcoin or something like that. No, but, or um, or was it Afterpay? I should have got in earlier. Anyway, so you mentioned, talked about Australia specifically and what we could do better here in deep tech, you know, we're making some strides. But comparing to other parts of the world, you hear of places like China and Israel doing quite well in deep tech. From your perspective, how are us Aussies going compared to the rest of the world with deep tech? It's a really challenging question to answer because on the face of it, we excel in research. We have really great skills and capabilities, particularly in the health of the med tech space, right? We have outstanding researchers and outstanding research institutes in this country. Where we are still lagging behind, and there is a, a gap that we need to close, is on the translation of that research and on the commercialization piece. So we've commissioned a report from Alpha Beta calling out sort of, you know, what is the opportunity for Deep Tech Australia? It's available on our, on our website for anybody who wants to go there and have a look at it. But one of the really significant stats that they looked at in this space was they looked at of the 2,500 global R&D companies, how many of them are Australian and in what verticals that they are and what does that look like compared to comparable economies? And so there's only 12 out of that 2,500 companies that are Australian. And if you actually look at which companies they are, it's an even smaller number. And if you look at similar sized economies like South Korea and Canada that are kind of comparable, you know, South Korea has 60 on that global R&D list and Canada has 28. So we've got this massive gap and this massive opportunity. And I think we need to say to people, you need to get worked up about this. You need to get involved in a conversation about this because it matters because what we're talking about here is not just having R&D companies in Australia. We're actually talking about diversifying our economy and having a more complex economy. So complex economies lead to advanced manufacturing. They lead to higher levels of job creation. They're more resilient in the face of a global pandemic, for example, uh, or other economic disruptors, and they actually are value additive. So what they are is they become the supply chain to other countries around the world, not just with products, but also with services. So instead of being consumers of technology or consumers of solution, which I believe some of our politicians would love us to be, we actually become creators of those things and become net exporters of high value products and services, which is where we really want to be and why it matters that we start making decisions that drive us towards those outcomes, because it is a long-term policy switch. It's a long-term pathway to actually have that complex economy and have more of our economy being built on sort of these robust and sustainable businesses. 
Yeah, it just boggles my mind that some can take the view that the way we'll survive long term is by digging stuff out of the ground and sending it out as opposed to building a capability to, rather than just being a customer. Yeah, and but, apparently so. we'll just consume technologies and be expert at that wow. and that's going to be our future. And, and I think that's just really sad because if you asked a kid, you know, what do they want to do when they grow up, the answer might be very different, but so often it always involves in building something and creating something and bringing solutions. Inherently, that's who we are designed to be as people is to solve problems. So if we just become consumers, it's a bit of a bleak existence potentially. But we'll become the best and happiest customers that they've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Got to make something. Just thinking to Cicada for a second and your member base there and those that are working within the group, what are some of the exciting developments or solutions you've seen come out of the incubator? Oh my goodness. This is my favorite question because it's, Got, potentially got a really long answer. It's like, how much time do we have on this podcast? That's good. Podcast is unlimited. Go for Great. it. As much as you need. I really, really, really love it when a founder is obsessed by the problem or they're personally impacted by a problem and so they drive solutions. So I get really excited by founders like Kath and Claire from Loop Plus. They have a pressure-sensitive mat that goes into the base of a wheelchair for anybody living in a wheelchair or a wheelchair user and an app on your phone that basically helps between the sensors in the pad and the app on the phone, it replaces the pain receptors in your bottom, which aren't signaling to your brain. So if you're living in a wheelchair, some of the challenges that you have is monitoring your health, avoiding or preventing pressure sores, keeping a straight spine, you know, so that you don't get curvature of the spine. All of those health complications, if you don't manage your health well, can have really severe consequences on the person, but also have a really big burden on the healthcare system. It's about $2 billion a year in Australia for pressure sores alone in the hospital system. Somebody that has faced a personal problem with the situation in their family has for these two women to come together as sisters and found this company and bring a device to market that actually helps people have better quality of life but also reduces the burden on the healthcare system. For me, that's really cool. I absolutely love SpeedX. SpeedX are our largest residents and they're a molecular diagnostics company. And they do a range of testing, STD kits, respiratory illnesses, including COVID, but they also do antibiotic resistance testing in those things. So when you get diagnosed with an illness, they also tell you what you're antibiotic resistant to. So they've just got this amazing tech platform that underlies their test kits and what they do. I love them because they're a household name here, but they're not a name that you would ever know. And as consumers, you'll never see or touch their product because it's all in the lab. So they're kind of one of those stories that we have to talk about. We have to talk about how cool they are again founded by two women founded at the end of a global recession so when the global crisis hit and they were made redundant from their job in Sydney instead of doing something else they founded a business they're now in uh, based here headquartered in Sydney they do all of their manufacturing on site they do millions of dollars of orders and fulfill them and ship them around the world they have got staff in Europe and in the US and they're selling to some of the largest labs around the world born out of a recession right really cool story We've got Columino who have sensors and hardware technology that can be deployed in both residential facilities and aged care facilities in a privacy preserving way to monitor health and well-being. So fall detection, temperature detection, movement detection, all sorts of smart discoveries and, and sort of inferences that you can make from this. 
And in the midst of COVID, you know, they also pivoted and deployed a sensor as a plug and play module to help monitor temperature so that we could get people returning to work safely interacting with each other with the temperature taking in kiosks and things like that. So love that, love that as a hardware company that is also working with software. I go on and on. I've got a battery company here that's really cool. Launched their product on UCID, uh, the University of Sydney campus last week. They have a competitor to a lithium battery. It's a zinc bromide solution and it's 100% recyclable at the end of its life cycle and the gel inside of it acts as a fire retardant with this battery if there's a sparking incident which is one of the challenges that we have in a country like Australia where it gets really really hot in summer and if you have solar and batteries on your house to store that if you hit above 50 degrees of temperature sparking incidents are a problem and so really cool technology I was like, there's just so many things happening here that are really transformative and are game changers for us and for people all over the world. I was going to say, you'd walk around like the, the offices there and every time you go into a room, you're like, whoa, that's an awesome idea. <laughs> like you guys are making a big deal. Yeah, that's insane. But I'm just thinking then as an incubator for all of those really cool, big, specific and challenging problems to solve. And some of those things like the super inspiring and passionate and very intelligent founders are all involved. Sometimes with those people that you just need to let them go do their thing and like it's hard to support someone doing something so specific and challenging. What are the kind of things that you support them with as an incubator in such a specific kind of area? Yeah, so it's it's a great question, right? And, and incubation support, it would be so great if it was a one-size-fits model and we just sort of handed everybody a box on the way and said, here's everything you need and that's all you're going to need. But the reality is, is every business is completely different and every founder and every team member is completely different. And so it's a real case-by-case uh, support support that we provide them. Specific to deep tech is the mixed facilities. So when you think about startups, you typically think of co-working spaces, big open plan offices, there's a desk, there's internet, there's great coffee, and that's about it. For us, that's actually completely the opposite to what they need. We need labs, we need clean rooms, we need rapid prototyping facilities. People need to be able to design and print their circuit boards here because they don't want to, you know, while they're prototyping something, they don't want to wait, design it, wait for a shipment from China to come in. So We have all of these mixed-use facilities and when you're small, you can come in and start in the shared facilities and the shared labs and the shared prototyping spaces and use all of those shared services. And as you grow over time, we literally Tetris you around the building and we can give you your own labs so that, you know, you do have that IP protection and you can build out the specific processes and the specific systems that you need for your business. So facilities and what you can do in the space is a really big part of what we offer. But then we have our mentors and we have our connectors and we have our networks that we leverage. So there's not a day goes by that I don't talk to somebody from one of the teams here about a need that they have. And it's our job to connect them with a solution to that, whether it be staffing requests that they have and we're connecting them to pipelines of new graduates or we're connecting them to experienced individuals out of corporate Australia or elsewhere who want to make the move and move into an emerging company or a growth company, whether it's funding and we're making you know those really warm introductions to venture capitalists, whether it's putting them in the pathway of the right grants at the right time that government has available for them. All of those things are things that we provide and we provide it as they need it, when they need it. Our mentors are people that are experienced, that just are passionate about this space and want to give back. And so connecting those dots and connecting people is probably the biggest thing that we do above space and that really sort of specified, you know, specific infrastructure, connecting people with what they need when they need it. And sometimes it's an introduction to their first customer and it's making that connection for them or it's navigating how do you sell into the healthcare system, which is a complex, complex beast. And it's a bit different state by state in Australia. And then it's very different overseas. 
So helping them support founders and support their staff the whole way through is really something that is Honestly, it's an absolute joy to be able to try and do it. It's really hard sometimes, but it's one of the things that I think we all love best about our jobs because when they win, we get to celebrate with them and that's just the best feeling. Amazing. That sounds like some really good support that would be necessary in that kind of environment. So I can see the value that would be added there. And if I was someone who are not necessarily involved in deep tech, looking to get involved, like back to the point we said before about budding young Australians wanting to make something and create something and do something meaningful, what would you say is a good lesson or a piece of advice or something for someone wanting to break into the space or an emerging deep tech company and wanting to make a difference? My first piece of advice would be don't go it alone. There is a community out there for you, whether it's one that you can physically be part of or whether it's one that you can virtually connect to. There is a community there for you. We are there for you. We play with everybody. We connect with everybody. We are agnostic to whether you come from a university or you're in corporate Australia or you're in a regional area. We try our best to connect you with what you need when you need it. So join our community, join our newsletter online, get involved with us. If you're in another state, and we can't help you, but we know somebody who can, we'll try and send you. But it's a lonely job founding a company. And it's really lonely when that business is successful and your CEO. So finding a group of people that can be your peers, that can be your community, for me, that's absolutely number one. And, you know, in this season with COVID and everything moving virtual, there's never been a better time to find your community because your community isn't just physically around you. They are really everywhere and connect to them. I think the other thing would be to give it a shot. There's a lot of people that hesitate and they're waiting for the right time or the perfect moment or what if or when this. And I'm like, if you've got a great idea, just start working on it. You don't have to start working on it full time. You can tinker. At some point, though, if it looks like it's a good solution, you're going to have to make the leap. But don't wait and don't hold off. Just give it a go and have a shot. And there's so many resources out there that can help you. I know that on this podcast, there's your series. There'll be a whole bunch of people with advice that you can listen to. We've got a whole bunch of webinars on our YouTube channel with experts from all over Australia and globally that you can connect with and listen to. Like content is there and people are there to help engage, get on board and just give it a shot. And then the other thing I would say is it's okay to fail, just fail really fast and learn from it. Most people who do start a deep tech company, most people who start a company will not succeed in business. That's just unfortunate reality and the data set tells us that. But use that as a learning thing. The first time you run an experiment in the lab, it never works. The first time you write and deploy code for an app, it never works or it works the first time but not the next 23 you know yeah. failure is part of and then it process. works once and then stops again <laughs> yeah. you know failure is just part of a process so let's normalize that and just make that part of the journey that you're on because it's going to happen if you do go down the deep tech route and you do build a business you are going to fail thousands of times and even if you do succeed there's going to be thousands and thousands of failures on the way so getting comfortable with that is I think a really important sort of cultural attribute that we all need to learn. Super sound advice. Thank you for that. And to round out then, what's coming up for Cicada Innovations? What are you guys working on and what should we look forward to? My goodness, we have been frantically busy during COVID. We've got companies growing. We've got them exploding at the seams. We are planning our festival of deep tech, a month-long celebrations of deep tech called the Emerge Festival. It's going to be virtual all online from the 19th of November to the 17th of December. So you're going to have an opportunity to tap in and see a whole bunch of companies in the deep tech space, hear from founders, uh, find a job if you're out there looking for a job. 
all of the companies that we're going to be profiling are hiring. So they're pretty keen to connect with cool. people that are keen to be involved. Uh, we'll be talking to Kathy Foley, CSIRO's chief scientist. We'll be talking to Monica Baroni, the CEO of City of Sydney. We'll also be talking to David Doty as well and bring together a community of people that are focused on deep tech and focused on the deep tech opportunity for Australia because there's so much opportunity for us there. And what we want to do is really bring the community together and really collaborate and get there faster because the more that we can do in the space, the greater the economic opportunity that's going to be for so many more people to engage and participate, which is what we really want to see. Amazing. Thank you for that. And I'll put the details of Emerge 2020. I was going to say the event, but that's a whole month. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> we'll put all the details of the event and all the information about Cicada and the things that we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. So look, I really appreciate your time and look forward to hearing about all those things that are happening in the future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And thanks so much for what you're doing and sharing voices and stories from across Australia. I think it's amazing and I'm loving it. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Make sure you go check out our website for all our resources, including this podcast and the largest directory of technology solutions available to Australian healthcare practitioners today. Until next time, I'm out of here.